Y'all better put him in the Heisman. Got that wood right here, baby. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back. A college world series title. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Tommy has seen record lows across the state in a lot of cases for the weather. I mean, I don't know how you get better, any better than that. No, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, for, for end of July, you know, in the, in the 80s. You know, you got you got mornings where temperatures are in the 60s. Man, it just doesn't get any. We're, we're going to pay for this at some point. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's I don't the thing know about when. Probably October. Probably that Portland State game. Some somewhere we're going to pay for this. Yeah, because here's the thing: you can't have nice weather like this in July and expect it to be just completely and totally fine once the later part of the year comes around. You know, sometimes September can be just as hot as yeah. the you know the throes of summer, if you will. Yeah. And it may be one of those cases, I don't know how many years ago it was, but it was even on one of those times where it was Christmas Day, and I remember wearing shorts because it was like 67 degrees or something like that on Christmas well, Day. So that wasn't, Well, it wasn't too many years ago. Like two years ago, it was in the 70s around Christmas. Yeah. Because I remember having my family, we, we took a, a, a day or two and went to Branson, and I had the, the great idea that we'd go out to Silver Dollar City and see all the lights. Well... <laughs> All of Western humanity had the same idea as well. And <laughs> as I was sitting in traffic five miles from the gate waiting to get in, I said, I think we'll find something else to do, kids. <laughs> well, I was about to say that's, you know, one of Tommy's biggest uh, things that he hates the most is waiting on things, waiting in traffic, waiting in well, lines, all that. Who, who's going to wait five? Who's going to wait five, uh, five miles of traffic? Nobody. But th- so, but yeah, I, I don't have much patience for, for lines. Or if you go into a restaurant, it be, it better be really good if they're going to tell me, uh, hey, forty five minute wait or something for a table. But Tommy, it's it's for Christmas though. You got to be in the Christmas spirit and then the Chris in the holiday mood. Ah, bah humbug. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's about fitting for you. But no, that's the thing. Is like when you have certain times of year, like in July in Arkansas, we know that it can just be unbearable. So the fact that it is nice. Today, it's been nice the past few days, and it looks like it's going to be nice this weekend. All I'm saying is take advantage of it because nope, you're right. Uh, I mean, you don't get these these types of weekends very often. So take advantage of it. Go out and hang out and have some fun because if you can tell me that, oh, by the way, late July on a weekend, it's going to be completely sunny and only a high of low to mid 80s. Yeah, I'm taking that all day long. That's yeah. my main point. So, but, uh, we, you know, as nice as the weather is going to be, it's when it gets cooler, you start knowing and feeling that football season's getting closer and closer, and we're just a mere what a week and a half, two weeks, or no, not even two weeks, but less than two weeks of uh, getting into fall camp, where Razorback football players will report on August first. So we're just a few days away from that, and once fall camp starts getting set up, then we'll really have uh, more opportunities not only to hear from Coach Chad Morris, but to hear from some of the assistant coaches, to hear from some of the players. And we'll actually be able to see how this thing is all going to work out in this upcoming football season and how they're going to try to make it all work. And, and one of the things that uh, I got into a discussion yesterday with some people on social media, which it seems like if you just throw out Arkansas Razorback football and 
people immediately will jump to like if you just said, "Hey, ask me some questions about Razorback football." Like there's just a certain there's probably two or three questions I think that people are going to immediately ask. And one of those questions of course is quarterback. I think that's probably first foremost question you'll ever get asked is about the quarterback. But the second question I always get asked about is the trench play, specifically the offensive line. Because it was so bad last year. Might have been one of the worst offensive line performances last year that any Razorback fan had ever seen. You have three of those offensive linemen gone from that terrible offensive line that you had. And even on the defensive line, I know that they didn't get as much criticism, even though they deserved a lot of it. They got no pressure on the quarterback. They could not stop the run. It didn't look like the quality depth was there. So trench play, as we know, is the most important thing in the SEC to be successful, and Arkansas didn't have any of it last year. So now fast forward to this season, knowing who they have on the roster, knowing the type of depth that they have, do we have legitimate reason to believe that both sides of the ball in the trenches will be better this year, Tommy, than what they were last year? No. I mean, you want the quick answer? I mean, are better? Define better. Okay, I guess, I guess we need to define what, what at the end of the year is going to be the benchmark to we, we say, yeah, this was, was better. Is it purely record? Because I think Arkansas is definitely going to be better in some other areas that could lead to more wins this year. They're going to be better at quarterback. They're, I think they're going to be better in the offensive backfield. They're going to be much better at wide receiver. I don't know that they're going to be better or much better on the offensive line. Defensive line, perhaps. I mean, they weren't great on the defensive line last year, as indicated by you know some of the some of the stats, but uh, some of the yards given up, third down conversions, some things like that. So, I mean, you can look at the the record at the end of the year that we could go from two and ten to to five wins, and it may not indicate the yeah, but that offensive line was a whole lot better. So, uh, you could have more rushing yards, and it may not indicate that you, you are a whole lot better. It may, may, may be some false numbers there because I think the running backs with Rakeem Boyd and Devois Whaley may be better. Need to look at some third down conversions and stuff. But mm-hmm. eye test, that's what I'm going to go with. The eye yeah. test, will they be better? I, I don't know. I mean, um, you lost three. You're losing three guys off an offensive line that weren't very good. Colton Jackson wasn't very good against the run last year, as, as I remember. So... It'll be interesting to see how some of these players have developed as we get into real games. We've seen what we've seen in, in spring. Now we get into the fall. And, you know, a guy like Austin Capps continuing to his development, moving from one side of the ball to the other. How's this all going to work out? Yeah, because, listen, we can we can guesstimate. We can give our predictions. We can, we can even look at the by and large of the offense and defense, and if they win more games, they're like, oh, it must have been better this year. So it's it's really going to be tough to say specifically of like, okay, what what is this particular stat that makes this unit better, or how can you yeah. be able to grade it from last year to this year? Define it. Yeah, because yeah. it, it is tough to define because, listen, quarterback you can define a little easier because you look at the stats. Yep. You look at completion percentage and touchdown passes and yardage and all that. Running back, same thing. Wide receivers, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, yeah. there's a stat there, but offensive line specifically. I know defensive line. You could say, you know, how well, how good were they stopping the run and maybe some sacks and whatnot. But offensive line, there's not a stat that's out there that just you can look at. Oh, okay, well, if it's better this year than it was last year, therefore it, it must have been a better offensive line unit. You could you could take a few things like you know the amount of sacks given up. 
that you gave as an offensive line tonight. But the problem is that's not always on the offensive line. A lot of times it's on the quarterback, too. So there's not really a stat. So the thing that I'm looking at, and I agree with you as far as the eye test goes, I think that that might be the easiest way to do it. And then knowing how me and you and others watched every painful game play by play last year, we can have a pretty good idea of how much better the offensive line is going to look. But a lot of it, too, Tommy, and this goes back to my original point about uh, what not only what you saw with the offense, but even on the defensive times, it's just the offensive line can improve dramatically by being all on the same page. Because there were times, I remember I took a video of, uh, I believe at the, it was Colton Jackson, is who I took the video of last year against Mississippi State, where the ball is snapped, the play is being ran by Arkansas, and Colton Jackson never gets out of his stance. I'm talking about for three, yeah, four. I remember, that. I remember you taking that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, what is that? Did he not hear the snap count? Yeah, like, do you not see people moving around? Like, what? what's happening? Yeah. It's like stuff yeah, like hut, that. Hut, hut, Yeah, it's like, I'm, you know, we've been doing this a while, folks. You know how to play the game of football. Like, stuff like that, I feel like is, you know, I'm not saying they're never going to make a mistake, but the, the weird things where it's like something's really off. Like, when you're having plays like that happen, something's off. Something's really bad. And yeah. it was there was more plays other than that, just one, but I was using that as an example. I'm saying that if you can just eliminate those, el- eliminate the fact that when you don't know, you don't know who, when you're winding up to the off when you're going up to the line of scrimmage after the play has been called, you know what you're going supposed to do. You know who you're supposed to block. You know what direction you're supposed to go. You know if you need to pull. You know if it's a screen pass. Just you know what's going on. To me, that's worth a lot, and that's worth a lot of improvement from something we didn't see from last year. Here's what I want to see to know that the offensive line, because I, I'm, I don't, I can't evaluate footwork and hand technique right. and all this stuff. But here's what I can evaluate: when it's third and short and plus territory. So let me give you an example: third and two, and you're at the plus thirty-two, or the let me give you a bit, plus forty-two, or somewhere in there right. where it's a decision between going for it or punting. And you're in that 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 gray area there. Do I want to pin the other team deep or go for it on third down? We're close to midfield. What's the coach going to do? What's Chad Morris going to ultimately decide on? Does he believe enough in his offensive line to get him that two yards? That's the key indicators in those those key field position areas on third and short, third and two, third and three. Do you believe your offensive line can get you what you need for one of those running backs to to stick their head in there and get two yards, or more, even more frustrating when it was third and one, and you had a quarterback mm-hmm. as big as Cole Kelly. Yep, you don't have that this year. Now, um, you know Starkle's a big guy, six four. He's not Cole Kelly big, but he's pretty big guy still at two twenty, yeah. six four ish. Um, you know, can that guy get behind the butt of the center and get a yard on third and less than a yard? That, that's that's the kind of stuff that I need to be able to see to say there's improvement because Arkansas could not consistently do those kind of what I think are basic things last year with the offense because the line couldn't produce it. Yeah. And other teams were able to load up the box, John, because they knew. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, it, and it's a trust thing. You know, can, can the coaching staff exactly. trust enough? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, and that's something that, again, we can't just sit back and say, okay, well, how do we. What stat can we use to show that the coaching staff trusts the offensive line? You know, there's no stats for that. It's just a matter of watching the games and watching the context of these plays being called. And like you said, 
those situations that this team finds themselves in, because let's be honest, Tommy, they're going to find themselves in those situations often. They're not going, I don't see this team, could be wrong, but I can. I don't see this team blowing out any opponent, especially you no know, SEC opponent. And you know. if they're going to have to want to win these games and understand what's on the line, they're going to have to say, all right, we're going to have to take these high-risk plays late in the games if we want to get out of here with a victory. You're just going to have to do that. Give you another situation. Fourth and half a yard at the other team's 28-yard line. You going to kick a field goal or are you going to go for it? I don't know. Connor you know. Lippert's on the Groza list. <laughs> Maybe He's on the watch list. You may want to do it. You're down 10. 12 minutes to go. <laughs> go for it. That's what I hope. Exactly. You know, but – those are the kind of situations. Eight minutes to go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, those are the kind of situations that I think it tells a lot what the coaches really think mm-hmm. on the decisions that they make. You know, and sometimes the coaches play it by the chart, play it by the you know, and you you kind of do that in the first half. But you know, they, they always talk about the go for two thing is out till a certain point in the game. I think sometimes the uh, uh, you know the, the the fourth and short, third and short kind of calls are very interesting. Yep. It says a lot about what a coach thinks about his offense and where they're at at that point. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it was. I mean, how many times did you feel like this team, if they would have like Colorado State last year, you know, if they would have gone for it on that fourth down play, would they have one hundred percent for sure won? Probably not. He couldn't put that guarantee on it. But I would rather have a team go out there and risk it all to get the victory and take those high-risk plays than a team that just is conservative, reels it back a little bit and says, no, we'll let let the defense try to hold it back. No, if you're going to be full tilt boogie, if you're going to be hammer down, left lane, all of that, and if you want to be a team that wants to make some noise in the SEC, you got to be that type. You have to have that type of mentality. That's what Lisa called about that yesterday. Yeah, she did. Uh, I believe that's first hour, about 640 yesterday. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she even... What, what what was it she said? She got Hunter Yurchick off of the corner up there on one of these one long tours and cornered him about Man. not going for it Yeah, in Colorado State. We need to have her be our liaison, our reporter over there. She, I mean, she's getting she's getting those one-on-one interviews with Hunter so, Yurchick cornering but, him. But you're right. I mean, she mentioned this, and you're right uh, to bring it up again that you're not left lane, hammer down, full tilt, boogie, all these hashtags, all this, all this marketing, all this marketing. Yeah. You're not that if you're – if you're not doing these things. Exactly. You you're pro- not living up to your brand, your hype. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Now he does a tightrope back. Boy, Houdini's in the house. We're number three, and nobody's home to watch that house. Touchdown, Hogs! Holy Hog! We're having some fun in the previous segment as far as some things that uh, I would need to do until Arkansas wins their first SEC game. Some of it was growing my hair out, not get to, not get a haircut, maybe not shave or whatnot. But Corey and Rogers, Tommy says, if our, if we beat Ole Miss, Tommy should get a mohawk. A mohawk? Yeah, a mohawk. That's quite a commitment for beating the team picked in the bottom of the division with you. Mm-hmm. This isn't like beating A&M. No. If they beat Alabama, do you think that uh, – would you make the bet? Would you make the bet to get a Mohawk if they beat Alabama? 
a Mohawk would beat Alabama. I think I'm safe on that bet. I'd take that bet. So you take a, so you take I'm, the bet. I'm, I'll take that bet. I okay. think I'm pretty safe on that. How does the uh, how does high school officiating look upon Mohawks? I guess you don't see well, it because you have your hat on. In football, yeah, I'd, I'd have to keep my hat on all the time. So mm, yeah, well. Okay, well, I don't think you need to go down the Mohawk route. Uh, no. You know, no, no, nothing offense to you. but the problem, And then those TV commercials I do, I don't know how well <laughs> that look with them, that Mohawk. So I have to be, caref- have to be careful about this, this uh, physical appearance thing. I have to appear and perform in public on regular occasions. So. Yeah, I don't know what the wife would think about that. Oh, she doesn't care. Oh, okay. She doesn't pay attention anyway. <laughs> well, you were going through all the things that would there are people that would take issue with it, and then you get down to your wife. It's like ah, she wouldn't care. Yeah. She doesn't. She didn't pay attention to those. Go things. Go to work. Yeah. Just keep going to work. <laughs> keep keep bringing that money home, sweetheart. And that's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, but no, well, we may may decide Good something. Good thought, Corey. But uh, we'll come up with something better than a mohawk. Yeah, do do something. Mohawk better. is a little professionally inhibitive. Yeah, this one comes with four seven nine. He says well, he won't eat chicken. I don't I see like if you do a specific meat, I think that that would be OK with that. Even though chicken's great. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know. You not eating barbecue, though, Tommy, would be the one. Well, that that's a tough. big ask, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have some fun with that. So keep those Won't suggestions coming. I don't know. Everybody loves them. Some chicken tenders, you know. Yeah. I'm that's... telling you, we I, I totally I'm in Mountain Home today. Yeah. And this weekend's the Baxter County Razorback Club Tournament, and uh, been invited to play in that. Poor Scott Tabor's got to deal with me all weekend. Oh, holy but, but went right by the Kings River last night, and boy, the car just started shaking and vibrating like it wanted to pull in for some some chicken strips. Didn't go in. Hmm. Did not go into the Kings River. It was a shame. Well, hold on a second. I thought that that was the place you say you have to stop. Oh, you do. every single time you it, go by it. You should. Then why didn't you? Because we'd eaten in Fayetteville. So. I mean, it was like I don't, 35. I'm was not like seeing 40. the logic here. <laughs> I didn't feel like I needed to eat two meals within 45 minutes of each mm. other. What about the drive back? Well, I haven't gone home yet. I know, so. but I'm just saying that you got to at least stop on your drive back. Yeah, I agree. So, so. that way you can say that you at least made the trip worthwhile if you, if you stopped there at the, at the Kings River. Ruskin was, you know, was was stealing our stick yesterday, talking about chicken. Classic we're, we're Ruskin. All, yeah, talk, talking about chicken strips. Here we go. Mm. Uh, someone someone called in and was talking about the Kings River and uh, said they had a outstanding ribeye steak there on Friday night. So the now Kings I've River? Fig- <laughs> exactly. A ribeye steak? You, me and you have been by there together, haven't Oh, yeah, we? yeah. I mean, if we every time I drive with you, you yeah, have to we, stop by and you right. get a bunch of fried chicken and... Tell me that I don't get any. So yeah, I, I know. Yeah, pretty good stuff. But yeah, now I've got to figure out how to get there on a Friday night for a for a ribeye steak. I guess ribeye. So well, it's not today's Friday, Tommy. Yeah, I know it. Tonight's Friday, so you can just stop on by and check it out. I won't be back by there till Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that works though. This comes from Steve in Center, Cedarville on our text line eight seven seven three seven Cedarville six nine six three says the problem with our quarterback play last year wasn't the quarterbacks. It's hard to complete passes. When you are flat on your back, unless they have the O line fixed, doesn't matter who the QB is. Which, okay, I I will agree that the offensive line certainly did not help matters with the quarterback situation. But honestly, if you're like delving out the rankings of blame for the ineptitude of the offense last year, with the passing game specifically, I actually would put more blame on the wide receivers than the offensive line. Yeah. And I know that that's another tough thing to really look at because, once again, it's all about perception. And, Tommy, I know that you, when you referee and stuff, you look at different things. But when you're watching a football game on television, mm-hmm. when the ball is snapped, what position groups do you see on the field when the ball is snapped? Do you see, 
like in a passing play, you see the you see the quarterback dropping back mm-hmm. or about the pass, and you see the offensive line, and maybe right. a running back who's back blocking or something like that. That's it. You right. don't get to see the wide receivers and what they're doing. They don't show a lot of replays well, of what they're doing. So there's not a, you don't get to see a lot, or at least be uh, exposed to a lot of the poor route running or poor getting open in space. Things like that. You don't get to see that very often, too. Or you did get to see some of it last year, which was them not getting off the line of scrimmage properly. Yes. Yes. And getting jammed at the line of scrimmage, just things getting messed up. And this is such a timing-based offense. But I think you're you're spot on with the analysis of the wide receivers did nothing to help the quarterback for a lot of the year last year. So, yeah, I mean, listen, there is when when you go 2-10, and there is plenty of blame to share. There, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet of blame. So no no problem there. You know, was the offensive line bad, Steve? Absolutely. Was the wide receivers bad? Absolutely. Was the quarterbacks bad? Abs- I mean, just keep going. You know, there wasn't a lot of bright spots that we can point to from last year's offense and say, boy, this position group now right here, all league. So, I mean, just <laughs> that's the way it is. But it starts up front. I agree. I agree that if you don't have – at least a serviceable offensive line with this kind of offense. I don't think you got to have an all SEC type offensive line because the idea is to, you know, to get the ball spread around. Now you do want to run some of these RPO plays where the quarterback's got to hold it, make some decisions, and make the defense um, make some choices, and you you base your decisions on that with this RPO offense. And I, I you know, that doesn't really have it, you know. That does have a little more responsibility with that offensive line. So we'll be it'll be interesting to see how that part of the offensive game develops this year with a different quarterback and maybe an improved offensive line. Right, and and, and also Tommy, this is an offense that Chad Morris runs that's not predicated on having the quarterback hold the ball for a long period of time or take seven drop back steps. I mean, it's just. It's not that type of offense. It's it's a quick moving, get the ball out of the hands quick. I know that the quarterback will sometimes run it and do the RPO, decide whether or not to hand off to the running back or decide to take it himself. I mean, there are times where the quarterback's going to put themselves in a position to get hit, but to me, this offense, it's not based that way because actually Corey just texted in from Rogers saying, look at Tyler Wilson. He took an absolute beating, and outside of senile John L. Smith of the year, he did pretty well. Yeah, he took a beating, but the offenses were completely different. I mean, yeah, the, different style. It's a different style. Like Tyler Wilson was taking it was a, a pro style, uh, right? Pocket quarterback offense. Right. He was he was taking a lot of snaps under center. He was having to drop back a lot. That's not this type of offense, and that's why you know again it, it comes back to when we were speaking even last year about the offensive line. It's important, of course, to have a good offensive line. I'm not denying that. No one's denying that. However, with this type of offense, though, it's easier to overcome an inept offensive line if as long as everyone actually knows what they're doing offensively than what it would be running a pro-style offense because you're not holding blocks as long. You're not having to worry about you know keeping running just hammer down, nose forward type of football when you're just running it up the middle. I mean, you're not having to do stuff like that. What you're doing is you're creating space and you're, you're getting the ball out in space you may have to have some offensive linemen that are quicker, having well, to get out and screen passes and whatnot. But you don't have to have guys that are holding blocks for three, four, five seconds as much as you did in a pro style. There's going to be some of this, and, and we saw some of this with Bielema when they were smoking, mirroring some things where you roll the pocket, shift the pocket, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to, to get the pocket on the move. So 
Well, it'll be interesting to see what some of these guys can do. And, and you know, Arkansas had no ability before with the lineman that Bielema had to run a screen game. You know, we yeah. saw a little more evidence of a screen game last year. So I think there will be an evolution here as, as down as we are on the offensive line. I think there will, there will be some signs of improvement. There are just not going to be signs of greatness, and that's what we're looking for is above average. We're yes. not even asking for greatness, let's be honest. We're just looking for average to above average at this point. And I don't think that alone is too much to ask no. in year two. No, not at all. No. So you just got to get that progress for sure. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by Bud Light Lemon Tea, a unique twist on America's favorite light lager. Give is to Alex Collins, straight up the middle, and Collins on the run. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. You know, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite Razorback media pundits in Clay Henry, who is the editor of Hogs Illustrated and publisher of Hogs Illustrated. And, and Tommy, I'm telling you right now, I, I don't know about you, but every time Clay comes on, I get educated. As a youngster myself, I get educated. Why are you kissing up? Why are you sucking up to Clay? Well, because here's the reason why. I need I've never heard you do this with a get. Why are you pandering to Clay? Because Clay, Clay is important and he knows people, Tommy. I'm trying to do some politic in here, okay? Just this okay, very, what are you angling for? I just, you never Clay know. Does, he's laying it, Clay, he is laying it on thick. Well, I like it so far. <laughs> I bet you do. I bet you do. But no, it's it's great because. And it's not. I want to tell you, the last 24 years I've been on with Chuck Barrett and Bo Mattingly and they never said anything like this, so so go on. All right, see there, you see Tommy. <laughs> well, there was a reason they didn't say it. Clay. You know. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's great to have you on, Clay, and I, I know that uh, you've been somebody who's been in, in plugged in with the Razorback uh, program for a very long time now, and we have some great news about Clay Henry, and he is going to be joining us, Tommy, more consistently and more so than just a phone call every so often. Well, we'll. We'll see how this goes. I mean, we'll see how you do with coming. I I, hadn't, I didn't have any idea you were going to be foaming at the mouth here, John, so we may have to, to recalculate this a little bit. But, Clay, uh, we're, we're excited to announce that Clay's going to be joining us starting next week uh, in, in longer roles. Uh, Clay, I guess the best way to describe it is kind of like what you've been doing for the last 24 years. You're going to, you're going to be joining us here on the Morning Rush a couple days a week and sometimes in between, particularly in August, for practice reports and other stuff. And, uh You'll be with us every Monday and Friday here on the Morning Rush starting next week. Well, it's exciting, Tommy and, and John, and I, I appreciate the, the opportunity. And I listen to y'all, so and you know there are times that I felt, well, I got to text them and tell them this, <laughs> and now I won't have to do that. So it, it's uh, you know it's it's uh, my wife is like, well, why don't you just call them? And so I I guess I won't have to anymore. Y'all y'all be calling me. Well, we're glad to have you, and uh, I know the audience uh, is excited about the fact uh, that that you'll be with us. And, and practice is starting starting real soon. We've been talking about quarterbacks this morning. I know you've been listening. Uh, last segment, we were talking about a quarterback starting twelve games. Do you see any scenario where it's Hicks, Starkle, and I don't guess there's really probably another uh, candidate you'd say would be a, a twelve game starter? Do you see any scenario Ben Hicks or Nick Starkle could start twelve games this year? Yeah, I guess, and 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 I'm not. Let's just take the injury situation off the board. Say they're all healthy, and uh, if if Arkansas would go and win at Ole Miss, which I think is the key game in in the second week of the season, and 
Hicks is the guy. I think he'll be the guy starting out. Uh, I think he earned that probably, you know, with the way he helped the team, uh, the young receivers, and, and worked them this summer and, and kind of led those off offseason workouts. And Starkle was a key part, too. But I think that you've got, you've got Hicks coaching the receivers, and he's probably coaching Starkle, too. In, in teaching him the, the the Chad Morris and Joe Craddock offense. But if, if they go and they win at Ole Miss and, and they, they get on a little run, yeah, I can see him. You know, I mean, why, why wouldn't you? If, if Especially if the team rallies around him. You, it's a winning quarterback that's a senior is hard to take off the field. And if now the flip side of that is they don't have success, and you start seeing, you know, both of them playing every game all at once. One of them is, you know, slips ahead of the other for a few weeks, and then it could flip back. You know, it's Hicks was in that situation last year. He he got beat out by a freshman. Sonny Dykes brought in a quarterback, and ultimately Hicks won the job back. Uh, but, yeah, I can see that kind of a situation too. So, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think we know what's going to happen. And and but I I'd be surprised if both of them didn't play early, and then then you pick the one that's having success. And if it's if it's Hicks, then yeah, he could start every game. Well, and here's the thing, Clay, about that. And maybe I'm just looking at it from the culture perspective of college football. It certainly seems like that with these new transfer portals and these grad transfers and everybody coming in to different programs, they're not coming in to ride the bench for a year. They're coming in to play, especially somebody like Nick Starkle who has legitimate SEC experience. I guess the fact that you're going to like go into this season, say if Ben Hicks starts game one and game two, say if he even beats Ole Miss and is performing pretty well, maybe not setting the world on fire, but well enough to win, and he keeps it going, I mean, is Starkle just going to have to own up to the fact that he's going to ride the bench for a year? Which, again, I know, maybe that he's okay with that. Maybe personally he's all right with that, but just with the culture of college football, it seems like anybody that transfers, especially a quarterback, they don't want to sit on the bench for a year. They want to play right away and I gotta kind of be kind of curious of how Chad Morse would handle a situation like that. Well, I think he'd he he'd want to handle it delicately because you did get Nick Starkle to transfer. Now I don't think you promised starting time. Uh you, you wouldn't do that with Hicks and you wouldn't do that with Starkle. But I think you probably would promise, hey, we're gonna give you your shot both in practice and there'll probably be some time in in, in games. He, here's the here's the the, the you know, the stark reality. Uh, they're all right at quarterback, but that's that's going to be one of their, their strongest, most experienced, most talented position on offense. They're not like that everywhere else, and especially in the offensive line. And when you're not strong in the offensive line, it doesn't matter who you've got at quarterback. I, I think that You'll go back and you'll check. Johnny Manziel had a pretty good offensive line when he was he was winning the Heisman Trophy at Texas A&M. They had studs all the way across. This is not the case right now. In some cases, there's not much experience, and then there's some cases that these guys are still developing in the weight room. They're still young. Um, they're going to get knocked around this year. Now, I've got hope with this offensive line. I didn't have any real hope with that offensive line last year, but Austin Caps and Myron Cunningham and Colton Jackson on that left side, Shane Clinton and and uh, 
Noah Gatlin, Dalton Wagner on that right side. Uh, you know, Ty Clary, maybe maybe the the, the true freshman Bo Limmer. You know, get some time at center. Uh, and that's that's a position of I got to see it before I believe it. I'm talking about center. And if you're the quarterback and you're not strong at center, you 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 probably like the rollout. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so. The offensive line has got to help those guys and keep them upright, and and that might be a problem. And you might see a quarterback struggling, and it might not be all him. Clay Henry is joining the Morning Rush team. He'll be with us on Mondays and Fridays and throughout August, giving us practice updates beginning next week. He is with us now here on the Morning Rush. Do you have any feel what Chad Morris is going to do as far as access to practice? Um, we kind of got to feel what he did in year one. Any idea of how much the, the the fans will be able to see, perhaps on a Saturday scrimmage this year, and how much the, the access the media is going to be allowed this year? Uh, any gut feeling? Oh, uh, Tommy, I don't think it'll change much. I think there might be a practice somewhere along in 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 fall where where some people get to watch. I know he's going to you know, he's going to bring the the uh, the Letterman in for uh, for a scrimmage and wants to have that in the stadium on you know on the new grass field. Um, I think the, the 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 way it is all across college football, the the media is just in in fans in general they they don't get to see much, and and the reason why is is it's a paranoia that I've seen with coaches from the beginning of time. They don't want eyes that they uh, you know that that to see practice that they don't control. And when I say eyes, it's not people's eyes anymore. It's their cell phones. And every practice that I've ever seen fans and sometimes with the media, and the first thing that you see are cell phones out, and they're not taking pictures. They're taking video. I don't know why they do that. But it's – and then then immediately it's posted on social social media. I mean, it's like they have become the reporters. And I don't think you can stop that. So the only way is just not to open practice. And, again, I think that's the paranoia of, of coaching. And you say, well, this, this, what, what, are they, what are they finding out? Well, it's the splits of the offensive line. It's, it's angles for blocking. And, and it's, it's things that we wouldn't even think are, are, are important. But the coaches, they, they – they start to kind of break out in little bumps when they think about it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, they get chills. I, I think Nick Saban's watching my practice. <laughs> so, I mean, or Jimbo Fisher is just seeing what we're doing. And I, and I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's August and, and they just want to shut it down. And I think that's probably what will happen. 20 minutes here or there for the media to watch. And generally you're seeing them stretch or going through individual drills. There's nothing there of consequence. Well, Clay, let me ask you just uh, real quick on that, too. I feel like if our, if the media, and I'm not saying we demand it or anything, but if the media had more access to these practices in fall camp and being able to report on it, I feel like that would also be able to help elevate a lot of the excitement for Razorback fans if we actually have something to say, hey, this player looked good, this this group looks developed. Do you feel like there's something to be said to that, that the excitement for fans would also be elevated if we actually had something really in-depth to report on from watching these guys individually in practice? Well... If I thought that the media had enough football knowledge where they could go watch practice and come out of there and, and tell you truly what what they saw, maybe. But I <laughs> we're just a bunch of 
we're just a bunch of media guys. That's right. And it's it's uh, and there is not one time with a closed practice that we're not still going to go report on what they say and and what we what we see in those little snippets. So I, I don't think they see that as huge value. And I'm telling you, the value as far as excitement it will come from the games. They win. Hey, the stadium will fill out. They lose, it won't. It's the same that it's been since the beginning of time. And if if they win, Chad Morris is going to be great. If they lose, hey, probably sometime in the middle of the season, you and I will be conversing about, well, is he on the hot seat next year? Hmm. That That's what we'll be doing. So it's it, – it, it, I think Danny Ford was the guy that told me, it said, a two-game losing streak in the SEC, whether you're at Arkansas, Ole Miss, Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, equal sign, hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly he said right. two games is all it takes. Yeah. Two, two, two straight losses, and, and that they're, they're talking about you. And it yeah. isn't it it nice. So what's 0-8 then? <laughs> so if if a two-game losing streak is the hot seat, I don't know what 0-8 is. So. Tommy, we, we've been doing that for the last six months. <laughs> I know. Hey, I, I, I will tell you this. You know, Bo's show ended at the end of February, so I've had, what, five months off? And you got some things a, to say. <laughs> it's been a breath of fresh air that, uh, that I haven't had to talk about that. It, it, I want to tell you. Doing talk radio during the time of John L. Smith when we had to come up with the coaching list, and I don't look forward to that if that ever happens again. <laughs> so I'll never forget uh, going down the North Fork River on on a Monday, my off day, in my kayak, and there was a guy down the river. I couldn't see his face. He couldn't see my face. And I was catching fish, and he wasn't. And he said, sir, what are you catching him on? I told him, and I told him how deep and what fly. And we're still 200 yards away. And he goes, Clay, who's going to be the coach? He recognized my voice. Wow. So I was hoping maybe for the last five months I've been <laughs> been out of circulation and people would forget what my voice sounds like. But I guess this is over now, right? No, that's right. That's right. We're You're going to back in circulation, buddy. That's right. You're, we're calling you out of the bullpen. We're doing the, was it, a Jake Berenger from Major League. We're bringing you back in here. Or Jake Taylor from Major Jake League. Bringing Taylor. You back. Yeah, that's right. Well, Tom I Berenger. won't enter the Sandman. Okay. <laughs> I promise not to put you to sleep. How's that? All right. That's all. Hey, that's all we can ask, and we'll make yep. sure that happens for you. Clay Henry, the publisher of Hogs Illustrated, going to be joining the Morning Rush on a more permanent and regular basis. Really appreciate you joining us, Clay. As always, man, looking forward to having you on the show next week. All right? You got it, John. Thank you. Thank you, Tommy. I hear you back there, Ty. I appreciate you, too. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.